the thought did go through my mind that it's not really best to agree to preach on this time change in the spring. Uh, so my sermon is on wisdom, so I thought, I'm going to be wise. I'm going to go to bed at 9.30. This will be good. And uh, when my alarm rang at 5.30, my body was not going, oh, you're so wise. My body was like, it is 4.30 stinking in the morning. What are you doing getting up? Now, I feel good and I'm thankful to be here. So this is good. Um, before we read our scripture passage this morning, uh, just a few thoughts by way of introduction. Uh, Yale University has a very popular course called Psych 157. It is the psychology of uh, the psychology, psychology of the good life. Um, the students call it the happiness class. And uh, if you're interested in it, it's offered for free online, entitled The Science of Well-Being. Uh, now, I have not uh, taken this course, but I did read the cover story of the March issue of the Atlantic magazine. And uh, it is entitled, How to Find Happiness. How to want less. Interesting. It is by Arthur Brooks. The subtitle is The Secret to Satisfaction Has Nothing to Do. The Secret to Satisfaction Has Nothing to Do with Achievement, Money, or Stuff. So here's the problem. The way our brain works, the way we all naturally think, we think about this equation. Satisfaction equals, satisfaction equals getting what you want. But really, the uh, true uh, equation here, if we can put it on the, the screen there, uh, satisfaction does not equal getting what you want. Now, one reason of this is simply because of our brain. After success, uh, maybe it is money or possessions or recognition or achievement, um, our satisfaction that we receive, the problem with it, is that it's fleeting. It just, it comes and it goes and then we're left with, oh boy, I got to do more to get a little bit more satisfaction. Um, it doesn't remain. The other problem is, of course, this nasty habit that we have of comparing ourselves to others. So once we achieve what we want, there's always somebody who has more. And that just, just cuts the satisfaction right out from under us. Um, now, I am not saying, of course, that making money is wrong. It's important to work hard, to have successful businesses, uh, to uh, have certain achievements or certain recognition in life. Uh, this, is, this is good. Um, but this morning we're talking about kind of the core of, of who we are. Now, if you read this Atlantic article, I'll tell you, there's actually a lot of wisdom in it. It has a lot of good ideas on how to get off this constant treadmill of more, 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 more. Um, however, my, my, talk, uh, my talk is not a self-help seminar. Hope you're not disappointed. Uh, my talk is actually a sermon. So with that said, and with this idea of satisfaction and a good life, these, these kinds of ideas knocking around, uh, let's turn our attention uh, to the Bible. Uh, to God's word, and uh, read some words of very deep and profound wisdom. 
Uh, the scripture passage this morning is uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Proverbs 4, 1 through 13. Hear, O sons of father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and, and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instructions. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. For she is your life. This chapter begins with a father's instruction to his son, or in this case, sons. This seems to be quite a theme in Proverbs 1 through 9. I counted it up, and my son, or sons, is over 15 times. And what is the point here? The dad wants the best life for his son or for his sons. The parents, parents want the best life for their kids. And I don't need to convince you, we all naturally want a good life. And where is this found? It is found in wisdom, in wisdom. Now, as I was thinking about wisdom, let's say here we are, and uh, over there is when the book of Proverbs was written. What is between the writing of Proverbs and us? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I thought about Jesus and wisdom, and I went to the New Testament uh, to look at this idea of Jesus and wisdom, and uh, landed on Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3, uh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. This is the church, the community, knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance. Okay, it's talking about riches here. The riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. What is the whole Old Testament pointing up to? This, this mystery of God's knowledge, which is Christ. Which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus Christ, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, it is all centered in Jesus Christ. So, this message, what is it about today? It is this. Want the best life? Godly wisdom. Want godly wisdom? Look to Jesus. And uh, we're going to uh, think about that with three questions. What do you want? What do you trust in? And what do you value? So first, what do you want? Now, the world's way is, 
It is get whatever you want. It is your life. You're in charge. Get whatever you want. And that is what is best for you. Uh, now, we all naturally want to be satisfied. Uh, the problem is, even modern science has disproven this. Satisfaction does not equal getting what you want. It just puts you on an endless treadmill for more. Um, by illustration, the author of this Atlantic Magazine article, of which, again, there's a lot of wisdom in this, in this article, uh, when he was 40, he had a professional bucket list. And uh, by age 48, he had achieved it. Uh, he was the author of popular books, traveled for speaking engagements, was a professor at an Ivy League university, and the head of a think tank, and putting in 60 to 80 hours a week. He writes, Each accomplishment thrilled me. For a day or a week, maybe a month. And then I had to reach for the next rung on the ladder. A consistent treadmill of more without truly achieving satisfaction. Well, what is God's way? God's way is get wisdom, and I will add to that, believe in Jesus. Get wisdom and believe in Jesus. Proverbs 4, 5 Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth, get wisdom. These are words of urgency from a father to a son. And what's beautiful about these words is they are not just words for people who are particularly smart, for people who are socially connected, or for somehow seem to be on the right track of life. These are words for everyone, get wisdom. For, for children, for youth, really important in your life right now to have this idea of, I need more of godly wisdom in my life. I need it, and I want it. In fact, I pray that today, all of us might sense this need that we need to want wisdom more. I pray that God's Spirit might work in your heart and life, giving you a greater desire for this godly wisdom. I think about the uh, two parables of Jesus uh, in Matthew 13. Uh, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a treasure hidden in a field when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field because he wants this one thing. Uh, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found a pearl of great value, he went away, sold everything, and he bought it. With a sense of urgency, the book of Proverbs says, Get wisdom. You need this for life, for the best life, you need godly wisdom. As we come to the New Testament and Jesus, we think about the most important thing is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I, I have this passage I picked, and for a specific reason, from Romans 6. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So in our world, you know, the world's way, get whatever you want. The point is, life is all focused about around you. And the wisdom of Jesus is through death, there is life. Uh, Romans 6.11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, when Jesus becomes first in your life and not yourself, interestingly, that is when the pressure of the treadmill is taken away and you can have this security, this comfort, this assurance that Jesus is your rock and you find yourself being led into true life. Now, we don't follow Jesus merely because of the benefits we receive, but I will say that is one beautiful consequence of trusting in Jesus. Let me explain with another illustration. Uh, this week in chapel uh, at school, Timothy Christian, we were blessed uh, by a woman that came to share her testimony and to sing. Uh, in the past, this woman had been a professional vocalist that had traveled across the country and even other parts of the world. Uh, today, she has a very serious eye disease and has been declared legally blind. Uh, money is not plentiful. She cannot drive. In addition to that, she shared how many of her family members have died from cancer. If you were going to look at a person and say, does this person have satisfaction in life? And what does she have in her life to achieve this satisfaction? On one level, you would come up short. What a depressing life. I will tell you quite the contrary. I could not believe the joy and the radiance that she spoke with and sang with. It was humbling. It made a profound impact on all of us that heard her testimony and just observed how she spoke and sang. She spoke with a sense of purpose and peace. There was a joy in her step, even as she navigated across the stage and as she sang. And what was the core of her message? It was lean on Jesus. The most important thing for me, she said, is that I, that I love the Lord. And you could see Jesus as her rock. And you could see the wisdom in her life, this beautiful satisfaction that she had. What do you want? She showed us. Not only what do you want, what do you need? It's Jesus. And through Jesus comes satisfaction. Uh, second, uh, what do you trust in? What do you trust in? Uh, the world's way is what you feel is most real. What you feel is most real. Now, disclaimer, I'm not knocking feelings. Uh, feelings profoundly affect our lives. Uh, it is really important for us to be honest about our feelings. And 
I don't know about you, but yes, I do like to feel good. This, this is a good thing. However, in our world today, feelings can be elevated to a status of this is the most important thing in my life. Uh, when the basis of our decisions rely solely on the feelings, on our feelings. When the whole quality of our lives rest on how I am feeling. And when I, will, when I do whatever it takes to replace this bad feeling with this good feeling, and I don't care what it takes for me to get from here to here, I'm going to do it because my feelings are most important. What I feel is most real. As I contemplated this, I thought about in my own life, you know, are there things in my life that are good, but they're not done in moderation? And so I, I just uh, throw that out there to you. Uh, what are things in your life that, you know, in and of, your, in and of themselves, they're fine, but they're a little too much? And the reason why they're a little too much is, well, quite simply, it feels good. So you just do it a little more, a little more, a little more, and, and soon it's a little too much focus on this, and, and the reason is just simply because, well, it, it, it feels good. Now, what is God's way? God's way is trust in wisdom. Trust in wisdom. And Jesus' way is dependable. Trust in wisdom Jesus' way is dependable. Proverbs 4, verse 6. Do not forsake her. Now, her is Lady Wisdom. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. Godly wisdom keeps you. It, it guards you from other things in the world that are going to send you off track and end up hurting you. So trust in this godly wisdom. Now, of course, when we come to the New Testament, we are called to trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. John 10, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. This whole image of Jesus as shepherd who is concerned and cares for his sheep. I think about one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, that talks about a shepherd. And as we read it, we can think about Jesus as the good shepherd. Psalm 23, 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Trusting in the shepherd, not your feelings. Sometimes this is hard because our feelings are so real. We, we just want to trust in those. But ultimately, to trust in the shepherd is what is truly beautiful for your life. And, and I would suggest if you are having trouble trusting in Jesus as a shepherd, one thing you can do is find someone who has walked with the Lord for many years and talk to them about how they have trusted in the shepherd through the ups and the downs of life. And uh, I will tell you, those people will encourage you in your own walk with the shepherd. Um, 
I thought of another chapel we had this year. It relates to this church in the fact that uh, this chapel uh, was by uh, a former pastor of Orland Park CRC, a long-term uh, pastor at Orland Park. His name is uh, Reverend Jerry Erfmeyer. And uh, he now is the chaplain at uh, Park Place, a retirement home, which happens to be right next to Timothy Christian, where I teach. And he came to speak in chapel. Uh, he told us uh, the tragic story about how his, uh, adult, one of his adult daughters was killed by a drunk driver. And uh, he had certain points in this chapel to share with the students that were uh, uh, just beautiful, faith-filled, and wise points. Uh, what I'm going to share was not his point, uh, but it undergirded everything. Um, in this tragedy, as he spoke, you could tell he trusted in his Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, the grief was real. Yes, the grief was a struggle. But how did he deal with this grief? He depended on Jesus. He, he could not depend on his feelings. And he couldn't even depend on doing other things that would help cover up the grief feelings. What am I going to do to feel better in the midst of this? He was honest with how he felt and he trusted in Jesus. And an important point here, trusting in Jesus is not a mere psychological trick to get your brain to think different. Trusting in Jesus actually is real. It, it is real God's power in your life, strengthening you, blessing you in the difficulties, in the trials, in the grief, in the angst, whatever it is we're struggling with, in the stuff of life. We cannot trust in our feelings. Ultimately, they will fail us because we are weak and finite creatures. We need something more. And God says for the best life, it is godly wisdom, and that godly wisdom is to look to Jesus. What do you value? And then... Uh, or uh, what do you trust in? Uh, then finally, what do you value? What do you value? And uh, I'm just going to look at uh, one very specific thing in terms of value. Uh, the world's way, the faster, the better. The faster, the better. Um, think about this. In a sense, our whole economy is based on efficiency. The faster, the better. The speed of information, communication, marketing, manufacturing, purchasing, eating, answering to our questions, even trying to find people, the faster, the better. Ah, sure, some things we have to wait for. Okay, fine. But in general, waiting is bad. The faster, the better. I mean, I would just really like to talk to you now about my email, email app I use. Oh, it is productive. Oh, I'll tell you what, tomorrow morning, I'll guarantee before I start the work week and my personal and uh, professional or school emails, I'll have less than 10 emails. Oh, productivity. My email, okay, I better stop with that. I'll just be honest, I, I kind of get into my little productivity apps because they're efficient. Okay, fine. 
Let me talk about something else. For those of you who have grown up in the last number of years, you know no different. But I'm telling you, Amazon Prime? Are you kidding me? You just sit on your couch, tap a screen, and two days later, there it is? Ha! And it might not even be a big order. Just a little order and boom. Talk about efficiency. And then you and I are complaining over slow Wi-Fi. Give me a break. In school this week, I was like, are you kidding me? The Wi-Fi is so slow today. Give me a break. How can I live with slow Wi-Fi? It's kind of bad. Like, there's times I'm thinking, how can I teach without slow Wi-Fi? Then I kind of knock myself. I'm like, wait a minute. You can teach without slow Wi-Fi. I'll just be honest. The thought has crossed my mind, though. Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Now, I mean, I like efficiency. I like productivity. But, but what is God's way, ultimately? It is accept wisdom as the best path. Jesus' way guides you. Sure, it's fine to be productive and efficient, but ultimately, in your life, ultimately, efficiency should not be king. Uh, except wisdom is the best path, Jesus' way guides you. Proverbs 4, verse 12. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, implying when you walk in wisdom. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. And the path of life to truly move forward in the best life that God has for us, the most important thing isn't speed, it is wisdom. And you know that sometimes we need to go slow in order to get deeper. And to get deeper is profoundly wise even though it takes a while. Wisdom. Walking with Jesus is not necessarily efficient. The path of the disciple often requires waiting and patience and time. It has been said that God's timing is not our timing. There is a sense in the life of the disciple that we need to let go of our agenda of our sense of what needs to happen when, and to trust in God and His timing. That is wise. I think I've mentioned before uh, the time between working in a church and working at a Christian school. I was uh, working in a bread factory. And I'm not knocking working at a bread factory. I am very thankful for people that work in bread factories. Believe me, been there. However, if, if you looked at my life and saw what I went to school for, working in the bread factory was not exactly, I was not exactly progressing in my career. Actually, I was at a dead end. Things weren't happening in terms of career path. Now, was I progressing in life, though, from God's perspective? Yes. I clearly see now that during that time was very important 
for me to go deeper. Yes, I was slowing down, but I would not trade it now because of the depth that came from it. Sometimes our lives are going to progress forward at, at quite a clip. But when things slow down and when we are caught in a state of confusion and questioning and waiting, we need to remember that we are still on God's best path if our life is anchored in wisdom, godly wisdom with His Word and as we are allowing Jesus to guide us. This is the beautiful life of faith. Do you want the best life? Get godly wisdom. Godly wisdom? Do you want godly wisdom? Look to Jesus. To conclude, I have two simple application points. Uh, that, to be honest, they were my application points. As I finished this message, I thought, oh boy, here, here are two things. Number one, prayer. Think about it. Prayer is not efficient. This morning, now it was very efficient for me to go over this message. But I thought, and, and I did go over the message this morning. However, I then took a step back. I said, okay, no. And I'm going to do something very efficient, but very beautiful and wise in God's economy. And that is to spend a chunk of time praying. And so I just say, how, in the place of, in life where you're at right now, how are you being challenged in the wisdom, in the inefficiency, in a sense, from, from our perspective, not God's perspective, how are you being challenged to pray? And then lastly, a Sabbath, a Sabbath rest. We were not created to be workaholics. And uh, a Sabbath, in a sense, is not efficient, it is not productive, but it is deeply wise and honoring to God because we are not king, he is. My friends, I truly pray that you have the best life and may that best life be rooted in godly wisdom with the Lord Jesus as your rock. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Mighty and strong God, we confess we are weak and you're strong. And I pray, O oh Lord, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would put within us a greater desire to live according to your truths. May we truly desire to get wisdom, to get insight, and to walk in this path. We pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that we might trust in you more and more. May you be our shepherd. May you be our guide. And it is in your name we pray. Amen.